Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 537 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, September 8th, 2019. The show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's trying to dodge bugs. Nintendo's embracing their past. And Facebook's giving out your number. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app and the Windows Store, uh, the variety of others like Spotify or TuneIn, uh, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch and Mixer, or of course on our website, plugkidslive.com. Thank you. For making us a part of your day there are two ways that you can do that the first is sunday nights at 9 p.m eastern you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and there you can chat with us in the studio uh, as the show goes on uh, we always appreciate uh, hearing your input on the topics as we talk about them and that'll be your easiest way to do it if you can't join us live that is okay plugkidslive.com slash subscribe will show you all of our shows uh, including uh, F5 Live and the Pilch Point, which are this evening. Uh, Plug Hits Live presents First Looks and a whole lot more are all there with all the different ways that you can subscribe. I think that's the spiel, Avram. We've been off for two weeks because uh, it looked like I was going to get hit by a hurricane last week. It didn't happen. So uh, how have you been? <laughs> oh, all right. It's... Uh been an interesting couple of weeks for interesting couple of weeks for sure uh but uh a lot of a lot of neat um a lot of neat stuff coming uh, coming into the office which will show something uh something later uh so it's uh always a fun always a fun time when we have new we have new toys coming in yes indeed uh i've got i've got some that i I just got two that I can't wait to, to mess around with, and oh, have I got reviews I have to write? Oh my goodness! <laughs> For our regular viewers who have been watching this microphone in front of me, I still haven't written a review on it. Uh, so, yeek. Um, uh, I a reminder for our our viewers and listeners: uh, Roboticon is in just over a month, which I'm very excited about. It is one of my absolute favorite events of the year and uh this year i get to host the event so that'll be a lot of fun uh people will get to see me on camera <laughs> on the live stream which will be a tremendous amount of fun i won't just be up in the in the control room so i'm i'm excited about that and we're doing our first ever alumni uh event so if you are coming to a Roboticon and are an alumni, sign up for the uh, for the mixer. It's on Eventbrite. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, it's a, a game night, board games and video games. Anyway, uh, I I'm really looking forward to it. We're we're doing some big stuff this year. It's gonna be it's gonna be really great. I'm I'm excited. I've I'm more excited and less nervous than normal at this point. For Roboticon, so I think that's a good sign. Uh, so yeah, uh, the next month is going to be 
going to be a lot of fun. And uh, there's some new stuff coming to Plug Hits Live in the very near future, too, which Avery may or may not have seen the post on Facebook. Uh, it's it, it should be pretty exciting. I can't talk too much about it, but it'll be a lot of fun, and hopefully it'll be in place by uh, by Roboticon. So, woohoo! Anyway, uh, I know that was a lot of weirdness, and I apologize to everybody listening, but uh, how about we get down to some news? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is probably powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a phone, an Xbox One, either S or X, or a variety of other products, VR and AR headsets and all kinds of stuff, you can find all of it at the Microsoft Store, including uh, saving up to $300 on the Surface Laptop 2 um, or uh, also on the Surface Pro 6. Uh, and a lot of other deals as well. And you can find all of those uh, by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So uh, we've talked a number of times on the show about um, Google's Project Zero, which is a security firm inside the company that looks for uh, Security vulnerabilities and products, both internal and external. Uh, at one point, we had had a discussion a number of years ago about um, how their policies were questionable and uh, could put uh, users at risk because they didn't necessarily give... They gave 90 days uh, to the publishers of the software to fix the problem, but if it was something big, they, 90 days may not be enough time. Uh, after we talked about it, they fixed that, and they have become one of the one of the uh, bigger software security agencies out there, working with uh, publishers to uh, to identify and fix security problems. Uh, this week, <laughs> they disclosed a a bug in iOS, which had been around for a while. Uh, been around since iOS 10. Uh, there were some websites out there that were exploiting the bug. Uh, suffice it to say that the bug is technical, incredibly technical, but um, the, the gist is that a website properly taking advantage of, of the bug can um, steal files off of an iPhone that has visited those sites. All of the sites that were discovered uh, were actually uh, aimed at a particular group within the Muslim community. Um, and Google found them, reported everything to Apple. Uh, in February of this year, uh, Apple released a patch uh, for, the, for the, the issue. Uh, enough devices have updated past the patch that it is now that was now safe to release information on what was up, and so they did. And interestingly, Apple responded, basically saying, "Nah, that's not really what happened," which isn't good for anybody. Um, they they took issue with Google saying that the uh, that the websites had been around for two years, 
which Google didn't say. Uh, they said that the exploit had been around for two years and that the websites had only been around for a few months. Um, and I don't, I don't know about you, Avram, but for me, if, if the bug was real and there's a, Apple has a, uh, documentation on the hotfix from February detailing the issue for Apple to come out and say, nah, that's not really what happened. It just undermines the, the value of the work that Google project zero is doing. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Listen, of course, Apple's going to downplay it because they're the, um, because it makes them look bad. So, you know, who, who's got something to gain here? I mean, granted, granted, you know, you could say that Google wants to make Apple look bad, but I don't think that's the goal of project zero. No, so instead of trying to, no, cause they the release, messenger, they release stuff on themselves too. Project Zero right. is not external exclusive. They release exploit details right. on Google products. Right, ex exactly. So, you know, it's pretty clear that, like, Apple is just trying to spin the situation. Despite the but, fact that they released know, they information about it themselves. <laughs> they, they have a knowledge base they, article on this issue. They they want to they want to make it look less bad than than it what than it is. That's their goal as a company. Think about the same thing could be said for Intel with Spectre Meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the more you you want to downplay it because it's bad publicity is bad for the bottom line. So, of course, they're going to do that. Of course, Apple's going to do that. But I don't think the public, the public should look at what Apple's interests are here. Their interest is in downplaying it. I mean, now, even though those websites didn't exist for two years, are we reasonably certain that nobody else has exploited right. that exploit in the two years that it's been there? Right. How do we know? We don't. The fact that no. Google found these could simply be by accident. I mean, if anybody can find it, it's going to be Google considering they're the ones that index the web, but, but, um, yeah, things, things like that slip by all the time, you know? And the fact that this thing has yeah, been around since iOS 10 is, you know, the, the things like that, zero days like that don't, don't exist too terribly long before an exploit happens. For all we know, uh, when the when the FBI stopped fighting with Apple to to uh, to share information from San Bernardino, for all we know, this is how this is why they gave up. Yeah. 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 Who knows? It's certainly not an app. It's certainly in Apple's best interest to spin it. Uh, but as the public should, should know now to be fair, Apple's not alone. This happens all True. the time, all the time that you discover. I mean, haven't there been vulnerabilities discovered for like old versions of windows that have been out for years? Oh yeah. I mean, spec the, specter, the and original Meltdown go back many, many oh, years. Yeah, for sure. The original, 
the original topic that brought the concern of Project Zero to light and their policies was on a very long-running Windows uh, Zero Day. Um, that th the complaint was that Project Zero didn't give Microsoft enough time <laughs> to fix something that was right. so core before releasing information, which put users at risk. But, but in you know, so yeah, it's it's been it's been everywhere. They've they've exposed all kinds of stuff. Um, my what one of my concerns is in a potential because Apple Apple tries to save face not not always with their customers but oftentimes with uh, with government bodies around the world with whom they're trying to curry favor and this particular Muslim community uh, is is kind of hated by the Chinese government. And we know that Apple is looking to China to try and save their their sales numbers. So part of it might might involve that. Um, you know, the the weird pushback because like they were arguing facts that weren't in evidence. It was very strange. Like the way they're they're like this oh, the websites haven't been around for two years. And Google's like, yeah, we didn't say they were. What? <laughs> yeah, but this, this, listen, if we were to go back to, did you ever have to take a debate class in, mm -hmm. in school? Yeah. If you go back to the things that we learned in debate class about what is an acceptable argument versus a, uh, you know, a fallacy, are a non sequitur. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the public square, there's a lot of fallacies being thrown being thrown around because all they the work. time. You know, because they work. Oh, you know, you did it also. That's the two quoque fallacy. Right. Or the or you know attacking or attacking the messenger. Oh well, maybe it's Google's fault. Maybe right. Google is is uh, you know is acting out of self interest. Like. If you really want to argue against something, you have to bring evidence. Right. You can't bring, you know, you can't distract. But unfortunately, that's a very effective tactic, and we see it all the time yeah. in all aspects of public life. Yeah, the idea of, hey, look over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. That that makes sense. And it's always a shame when something like that happens, um, because this was something that happened. It was... It was a potential problem, especially the people in this particular, this particular Muslim group, definitely need to be aware of it. If if it's their websites that were, that were, most known to be compromised, hiding that kind of information, always, always ends up on the wrong side. I think, so. Uh, so I guess the, the takeaway here is it happened, the exploit was real, you probably were not part of it unless I don't know how to pronounce this group name, which is the reason why I haven't said it. Uh, Uyghur. I think it's pronounced Uyghur. Thank you. I would never have gotten that. Uh, if you're part of that group, maybe uh, take a look 
at a at I don't know your phone. Make sure you're updated. I guess is the the main takeaway. Make sure you're on the most recent version of whatever your operating system is. There we go. I think there, that should be said there's to everybody. Our I would say that's our takeaway: is everybody should make sure that your operating system's up to date, because when these things are found, you don't know they're who's fixed. Exploiting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there we go. There's our takeaway: update your devices. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. Um, we have talked many times, including just a moment ago, about security online. And one of the best ways uh, to, to keep your privacy and your security online is with a, is with a VPN service. And uh, PureVPN gives you the ability to both obfuscate your, your browsing history, both from Google, Facebook, and your ISP. But it also gives you the ability to uh, report that you're elsewhere. So if you're out of the country and would like to still sign into your Hulu account and use it, you can. Uh, and right now, for our viewers, they're giving a really great deal. It is $2.88 a month instead of $10.95 a month uh, when you sign up for two years. And uh, all of that is available by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. So, Avram has got a a thing next to show him. Yes. We always so, like Avram show uh, and tells. So, um, this is, we're going to do this together in real time because I have not taken this out of the box. I just opened the box before we started so I didn't have to spend time monkeying with the, <laughs> with the tabs. Uh, on the box or tape or whatever. So this here is called the Ultimate Hacking Keyboard. Now, why is it called the Ultimate Hacking Keyboard? Not that it's great for being a hacker or something. It's not the choice necessarily of Hugh Jackman from Swordfish. <laughs> um, but it's uh, but it is it has open source for the software. Um, and uh, it count, and you can do a lot of things to it. Uh, so let's open this up. You'll notice on the box it is a split keyboard. So the folks that make this sent me one. It is not coming out until October, so I have it early. Um, so let's take the plastic off here. Um, thank you. Okay. So here's mine. Now you can buy this with a variety of different uh, options. Uh, they asked me what color I wanted it. I had a, you have a choice of black, white, I think yellow, uh, blue, or red, and uh, I chose the the dark blue. Eh, maybe I should have gone with a brighter color. Whenever companies those promise offer to send me something and there's a choice of get it within a color or get it black or white or silver, I always go with the color because everything is black, so yeah. or white or silver, so it's it's like in the photos it gets annoying it gets boring to look at pictures of that all the time. So especially if you were browsing through reviews on our site. So over here you can see the back of this. Um, and I wanna see if I can actually 
it's nicely attached, but it's actually not supposed to be attached. I think you're supposed to be able to detach, you're supposed to be detaching these. Although I guess you could use it like this, so that would be interesting, right? Um, let's see. So what do I need to do to pull this apart? Um, don't don't know. It feels really well to get stuck together. Oh wait, wait, wait! It's coming. Oh, it's there coming. It goes. Ah, okay. So so let me let me tell you a few things about this. First of all, you get a choice of switch types. So I chose uh, cherry green switches. For those who don't don't know the difference, uh, cherry cherry bl blue and green are clicky. Green is a little bit uh, has a little bit more resistance than blue. And I actually haven't tried cherry green before. I've tried razor green ones, and so I was curious to try that. I love clicky. Um, it also is a, and as we said, it's available in a few different color, a few different colors. Um, and one of the more interesting things about it is the accessories you can get. So when you hold it, when you, you'll use a wire to connect these two pieces together. And what you can do is you see these little, uh, pins here and it allows you can, you can buy modules that attach to it. So when it's sort of split like this or like this, I guess, on your desk, you could buy a little trackball and put it over here. Or a little, they have a trackball, they have a set of three keys, they have a touchpad, and they have my personal favorite, even though I haven't tried it yet on this, a, uh, a track point, like a ThinkPad style track point. It looks actually exactly like a ThinkPad one, it's red. So, uh, they're not even trying to pretend that it's like a generic pointing stick. Yeah. So I wonder if that violates some some copyright or, or what. But um, so uh, they haven't come out with them. They haven't. The modules aren't ready yet, so they didn't send me those. They sent me this, um, and there's software that lets you really configure it. Uh, I'm not really sure yet what you do with the screen, um, but it's a very interest very interesting thing. You're also can get it with different types of keys. So uh, I chose sort of the normal American layout, but you can get it with the European layout and you have a choice of a couple of different fonts on the keys. I just chose the most generic ones. Uh, you know, maybe it would have been more interesting if I didn't. Uh, so also over here, uh, well, let's see what else is in the box, first of all. Um, so also in the box, we have this telephone-like cable this is used to link the two sides together, as you can see in the picture. Uh, you have these things here, which are feet, uh, which I guess aren't on it by default, but you can put them on. USB cable, well, you always need that with a keyboard, right? Sure. Unless it's wireless. Uh, I don't even know what this is. Oh, a bunch of little tiny screws. I'm not really sure what, that, what you're supposed to do with that. Oh, maybe that's for attaching the feet. Oh, that could be. So one other thing that they, what well, one other thing that they sent me, is the palm rest. So the palm rest is, I, I think wood. Let's see if it's real wood. Um, and if you get the black one, they, I don't know if it'll look so much this way with blue, but if you get the black one, it sure looks like an old Atari. Uh, when you do that. Somebody in my office said it looks like you have an Atari. Uh, 
So it's let's see. It, especially in the photo there, it definitely reminds me a lot of the uh, the the box that my Atari twenty six hundred's in, right down to the color palette. <laughs> Ooh. Right. Uh, although this is a dark, I think yeah, I still like it, but it's a darker wood than the picture. Yeah, it is. Um, so, looks good. I think this is real wood. I can't tell 100% for sure. Um, I don't know if, it certainly has a, it's very smooth. There's no rough edges to it. That's important. Um, well, yeah, you certainly want to get a splinter, right? <laughs> um, interesting. I'm going to have to uh, give this a try. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about about this part here, the, the wood palm rest, because I like really soft uh, wrist rest, mm -hmm. and this is not soft. But um, you can see it's this is hard metal here Yeah. that I guess you're supposed to screw it. I guess that's what these screw these screw holes are on the back here. You screw it in, and then you have one for each side. One sure. Split. Um, so I'll be curious to try it. Uh, it's definitely very interesting. The all the software for it is open source, so you can actually make your own software for it. But it sounds like the software is very robust because um, the hacking part is you you changing stuff about it. Now, one thing that's not really hackable about it is I don't think you can remove the switches on your own. So, I mean, I don't think it's meant to have hot swappable switch, test swappable switches. I've seen some keyboards that do, um, which would be kind of cool. Um, but, you know, considering the keyboard itself comes apart, I really like the idea that I could have a track point in this because I really I love having it on my laptop and I kind of like to have it on my keyboard, on my desktop keyboard. Um, what and this is, but there are a couple of things that are of some concern here, uh, depending on how you like your layout. There's no arrow keys, right? Oh. Um, right. I think there are arrow keys here that you can get by hitting function. Like you see I, J, K, L, if you hit, have a little arrow below them. Okay. But there's no, there's no native um, arrow keys on this. Now, some people in the keyboard, mechanical keyboard fandom, who this is clearly designed for. By the way, this is an expensive keyboard. Uh, the keyboard alone, without the palm rest, is $275. Okay. Uh, the widget, the, the modules are going to be, I think, 60 bucks, And the, the palm rest is, I'm looking at it, by default, it comes from Europe. So by, okay, palm rest is $75. The keyboard is $275, and the modules are all $60 each. So let's say you wanted to get this with a track point and the palm rest, which they kind of want you to have. And to be honest, you kind of need a palm rest because, you know, your standard wrist rests uh, probably aren't made for this because uh, they're straight, right? I mean, I love having my gel rest. Love it, love it. Here's, you know, here's my giant gel rest that I always use, right? Uh, obviously not made for a split keyboard. So, um, but I know a, there are a lot of folks in the mechanical keyboard, uh, you know, fan community who like having fewer keys. They don't want to have uh, arrow keys. They don't want to have, they don't want to have number key, you know, numeric keypad. 
There are even some uh, keyboards, I think 40% keyboard or something that have no, don't even have a number row. Oh, you know what this also doesn't have? Function row. No function row either. Yeah, I see that. If you want the function row, they, you have to hit the FN key and the top row. Um, you know? Okay. Obviously, for for the folks who like that kind of thing, uh, this is this is good. I'm gonna come out and say I'm gonna you know judge this keyboard on its on its merits and what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah. So it's trying to accomplish being really compact. Uh, but for me, I I don't know. I'll see if I can get used to that. But I like having more buttons, not less. <laughs> so I don't I don't like having a. 10 keyless keyboard which is for those not in the know is a keyboard without the number pad mm-hmm. um and if i had my druthers i would have more but more extra buttons if i could get another function row up there to get like 24 function keys <laughs> some more on the side like if i could get an old-fashioned like terminal keyboard or one of those stock trader keyboards which i've seen some on uh-huh. ebay um you know and get it with like those, amenities, like, like those crazy Bloomberg terminal keyboards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I saw, um, I'm a follower of uh, R mechanical keyboards on Reddit, and mm-hmm. somebody put up uh, a picture of, I think it was a Bloomberg keyboard. If not, it was uh, another trading sure. place. And yeah, it had a ridiculous amount of keys on it and a little screen. Um, yeah. But, you know. It didn't necessarily have the mechanical switches that I would want, no cool RGBs, but, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I have to get a used one that someone else's mitts have been all over, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, because you probably don't want to spend the forty five like... the $45,000 on the Bloomberg terminal just to get the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if they still make the keyboard. Maybe not. Right? Uh, they're on eBay. For like a hundred hundred dollars, you can get. I think it's called like a one hundred and ten percent keyboard or something. Okay, interesting. If you Google it on eBay, they're called. No, it's not even easy to find. Um, anyway, needless to say, uh, you know this is the ultimate hacking keyboard here. <laughs> uh, and what's ultimate about it is that you can do all kinds of things to the software, and you can add modules. And you can use it like this, or you can pull it apart, you know, right? You could use it like this. Interesting that it has like two different space buttons because it's meant to be pulled apart. Yeah. Um, and I'm not quite sure what the screen gives you. Uh, so that's something when I review this, which I will do in the near future, uh, it will, I'll, I'll find out. But I just want to share that with everyone. It's definitely a very interesting keyboard. And, and listen, I'm not against somebody spending, you know, on a keyboard because if you're really happy with it and you're using it every day, then, uh, you know, the keyboard is going to make more of a difference in your computer life than almost anything else. Your keyboard, your monitor, your mouse are the things that you look at and touch every day, every way. So I could upgrade my computer from, a 512 gigabyte SSD to a one terabyte SSD. But will I notice the difference all the time, every day, right, right. away? Every moment Maybe of every day. Until I really use up that space. Right. But the things that you touch and, you know, you keep it from, 
for years. Mm -hmm. I had IBM keyboards that I kept for five, ten years. You know, several generations easily. of computer. Now, now, I want to say you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a good keyboard because here I have the uh, 70, I think $70 Hex Gears Impulse, which is my, which has been my favorite keyboard now since I first tried it a few months ago. And it is absolutely a joy to type on uh, because it uses uh, Kale White switches, which are the best switches that I've used. They are absolutely awesome. They are clicky, but they have a, be a better feel and click than standard blue, or blue switches. Uh, they have a little bit less travel, but not a lot less travel, so you can hit, you can type faster. Uh, I absolutely love, and it's not. There are not many keyboards that are available with Kale White switches, uh, but the Hex Gears Impulse, uh, which is depending on whether you get the model with the RGB keys or not, I think seventy or eighty dollars on on Amazon uh, is is my favorite right now because it is absolutely just an absolute pleasure to pleasure to type on. Uh, and you know, if that's what matters, it doesn't have any software. Uh, so if that's what matters to you the most, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg mm -hmm. to get, uh, to get a keyboard with a great, with a great key feel. Um, uh, but something like that ultimate hacker, ultimate hack, ultimate hackable hacking keyboard you know, gives you the opportunity to do all kinds of interesting stuff with it. Uh, I'm going to be really excited uh, when they send me those modules mm -hmm. to see what it's like having uh, that track point in the middle of my keyboard. Uh, anyway, uh, that's just a quick look at it. We'll be putting up a review in the near future on Tom's Hardware. We'll see if we're getting the modules sooner than later. We might wait till we get the module. Um, but uh you know, and if you someone's interested in, in buying it now, although I don't think they're shipping it till October, uh, you can uh, go to ultimatehackingkeyboard.com. Very cool. Well, it's it's definitely interesting looking. It's when it's all together like that, it's way smaller than I was expecting. Uh, it's, yeah. but you know when you. When you pull it apart into two pieces and add something in the middle and stuff like that, I can see, you know, it gets kind of back to a normal size, normal size thing. But it looks like the keys are normal. It's just because it's missing because oh, yeah. it's missing yeah. all the all the extra keys on the outsides. It just makes the whole keyboard look almost like a kid's toy. I'm I'm used to my my big yeah. gaming keyboard that's got, you know, two Two row, two columns of keys on the left, and media controls all across the top, and a screen, right. and a right. <laughs> That's I I I don't think I I really I don't get why somebody would want fewer keys on their keyboard unless they were traveling and they needed to fit in the bag. Right. Uh, so that I kind of get, but you know, for your everyday desk, uh, I like more butt. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking a three hundred dollar module modular keyboard in my laptop bag. Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody is. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it certainly fits very. It's certainly very small. Yeah. Right? Um. So. It'll be interesting know, so to see what we'll your. See. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what your final take I'm is on it. I'm excited to try typing on it and using it. I do foresee the lack of a function row and the lack of arrow dedicated arrow keys in function row being a potential problem for me. 
but uh, but it really uh, for some folks, you know, obviously a target. Uh, it may not be, and maybe it's yeah. maybe it's worth it for the other advantages. I haven't really used split keyboards very very often, uh, so it's uh, not for an extended period of time. Sure. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what that's like. I whenever I think of split keyboards, I always think of of Donna on Parks and Rec with the keyboard with the the keys on either side, and she's like, "I can't fly a spaceship. This keyboard's not going to work." <laughs> oh man, they they have some ergonomic ones, right? That you just have it. Yeah, that was that was what Donna ended up with. She's like, "I I feel like I'm flying a spaceship. I can't fly a spaceship. This isn't going to work for me." <laughs> I'm, I'm putting a message out to I'm putting a, a keyboard message out to to our audience. Uh, I personally would love to find uh, a find a keyboard that had a ridiculous amount of keys, uh, you know, which seems to be the opposite of the trend. So I'm curious what people have seen out there. And B, I would love to find. Speaking of something that's weird, um, something. Uh, a good sort of mobile keyboard for for working on the go. My um, I used to know a guy who was kind of a into had a wearable headset that he wore all the time, and um, he had invented what he called a keyer, which was something that had like ten or fifteen keys, and he could hold it in his hand and like therefore through combinations get all the letters and all the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if anything like that exists commercially because I've looked and I've never seen it. It's called but it's called it would, Deca think, Text. I'll send you a link really? after so the can show. You get, can you get a Bluetooth thing that does that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The inventor's cool. name See? is the inventor's right. name is Wayne something. Wayne I can't think of his last name. But uh Deca Text. Oh. Cool. <laughs> question answered. Anyway. I have so, uh, I have tried so hard to learn to use that thing. I've known Wayne for years. I have held that thing in my hand. He's been on the show before. I cannot type on it. <laughs> I mean, I probably would give up, but I'd love to try that challenge. <laughs> well, I'll get you a link after the show. But yeah, deck of text. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cool. um, obviously, everybody, uh, Avram and I are keyboard people. <laughs> We, yeah, I I think both of us have way more keyboards than our number of hands would ever need. Um, yeah, and and so it's always it's always fun to talk keyboards because like like you said, it's yes. the thing that you use. Like it is your primary interaction device with a computer. So yeah, it's, it's the thing it that really needs. To, yeah. It, it matters almost the most to me of, of anything on my computer. Uh, that's why when I buy a laptop, it matters the most to me. Gotta have my, gotta have my keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And, uh, I definitely look forward to hearing your, uh, your final take on this after you've, you've messed around with it. Cause clearly for those of you who are watching, we just opened the box. So yeah, we have there you no go. information Why? on it, but Live, live unboxing. But uh, Avram will have a review at some point on Tom's Hardware. 
So I, I look forward to seeing what that looks like. And as always, Avram, I, I always love talking new stuff, especially when that new stuff is keyboard. <laughs> so, and I, I look forward to whatever we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for that great gaming keyboard that we were just talking about uh, with, with a Razer green switch, or you're looking for a great mouse, the two most important parts of interacting with a computer, uh, or you need a whole system, uh, like the Razer Blade Stealth and a whole lot more, and all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Um, we have talked a couple of times about the offering that is uh, Switch Online from Nintendo. When when they launched the service, they uh, they did what what Microsoft and, and Sony do as well. They offer free games as part of the subscription. Uh, Nintendo, knowing very well who they are, uh, decided to offer truly classic games out of, their, out of their back catalog, stuff coming from the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, a while back, we talked that uh, Nintendo was planning on bringing some Super Nintendo titles to uh, the Switch Online service, and then we heard nothing else about it until uh, the Nintendo Direct this week, uh, where they announced that 20 Super NES titles were coming to Switch Online, and that they were coming, like, tomorrow, based on when the, when the Nintendo Direct happened, and that's what happened. Uh, they launched almost immediately, within just a couple of days, um, and so now big SNES titles like Super Mario Kart, Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island are now available as part of your Switch subscription, uh, your Switch Online subscription, which, by the way, if you're, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, uh, Twitch Prime is still offering a free year of Switch Online, so... Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, we have a link, f5live.tv slash prime. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I I love the idea that they're expanding outside of the NES titles um, because, not going to lie, uh, Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island are two of my favorite Nintendo games ever. <laughs> and so, for me, uh, SNES games are are a big deal on on the console there like we talked about not last week because we weren't on two weeks ago we talked about how you know classic games are are so easy to have fun with right and so here's another example yeah. of of really leaning into that my my son really loves old old time games old arcade games old you know old old console games 
you know, there's something about them that's timeless. He really, he re- he really likes them. I think the thing is, when you take a game that was really meant to be a certain type of game, like a side scroller or an arcade game, that's timeless. When you get something that was sort of meant to be technically ambitious for its time, and now it looks bad, mm-hmm. um, then then that's a problem. Which I know some will disagree, but I know like one of the big titles that people talk about when the emulation community is. Oh, can we play GoldenEye? Uh-huh. Which was what on the Nintendo 64? 64, yeah. Right? It was the title on the Nintendo 64. And Prob- probably the only time day, probably the only time a Nintendo console has been defined by not a Nintendo title. Right. So, looking at that game, it like it doesn't look good to me. Yeah. But I guess back in the day, it was it looked good because they weren't. It was it's sort of an FPS style game, and they didn't have a lot of FPS style games at mm-hmm. the time. So it looks like some, it looked like something at the time, but it just hasn't aged well. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you you take a timeless game like Pac Man. Right. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, it's still a great. It's still a fun game. Because because the sprite was still only sixteen by sixteen, and <laughs> they weren't trying to do a whole right. lot with it that wasn't the goal right see it it operated within you know within its within its limits and so you know the things that are known to sort of push the envelope in terms of photorealism look really bad years later but the things that were just trying to stay within the box of this is a video game are are more i think are, are more timeless and so yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, when you look at, if you look at the Nintendo 64, if you look at Super Mario 64 versus GoldenEye, Mario 64 is, you know, wasn't trying to, I mean, it was a first-person title, and even they weren't trying to push a whole lot of boundaries. I mean, yes, it was it was Mario in, in 3D space, but still, you know, it, it still had a very Nintendo restrained feel to it and they put all their effort into making it a fun game versus putting all their effort into making it a a, a lookable game and the fun wasn't so much there. I, interestingly, GoldenEye is one of the few games I think that, that tried to do both um, which might be why it's still, it's still looked at from the emulation uh, community today because it was a fun game and they were trying to push graphics boundaries. Um, but yeah, even today, you know, the fun game aspect of it, you know, how is it, how is it different than any other FPS? Yeah. The maps were pretty good, but I mean, uh, (laughs) it's still a multiplayer FPS, you know, uh, split screen on one console. Uh, okay. (laughs) You can't really do that anymore Four four corners split screen. (laughs) Doesn't really so much exist, but yeah, I, I can see where some of the emulation interest might come from. But I'm with you. That one, that one's not one that I would put a whole lot of my focus into. But some of the, some of the, SNES, titles, the especially the first first uh, party stuff, the Yoshi's Island and and uh, Zelda and stuff like that coming off the SNES. That's something that that I'd put some effort into. 
Yeah, exactly. Like those games are timeless and there really aren't a lot of, I mean, how, how else will you get those games? Mm -hmm. I guess you could get, what can you get? Like, do you get those games if you get like the Famicom or something like that? The, well, you can get them on the, the, some of these games on the super NES mini device that came out. Right. But, this is definitely the easiest and most direct. You don't have to have special hardware for it. You don't have uh, have to have anything unique or weird. It's it's a it's a switch and go. Uh, and interestingly, in the same way that uh, oh uh, hello to the YouTube chat room, uh, Deepak something. It's very small and on the other side of the room. I apologize. Um, so. Uh, just like when Nintendo launched the NES titles on the Switch, uh, they have also launched um, a ooh, a companion hardware piece, an SNES USB-C controller. Um, so you can play the games with the controller they were designed for. Um, so you can get an NES USB-C controller, you can get an SNES USB-C controller. They are not yet available, but they will be shortly, and they will be only available to uh, Switch Online subscribers, which is important. You have to be a Switch Online subscriber to be able to buy them. Um, the other thing that's important to know here is that unlike the NES titles, the SNES stuff, at least for right now, will be erratic. Um, in their release, we got a nice big game dump right now of 20 titles, but do not expect it to be like the NES where new stuff will show up every month. Um, Nintendo has said that the release will be erratic um, for the SNES titles, at least for now, uh, simply because they I think they tried to launch with a big catalog and everything that was even close to being ready to release. <laughs> Uh, was released all at once. So, uh, enjoy what you have now because it might be a little while before you get any more. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Uh, Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like... Uh, oh, okay, we'll go with Street Fighter. That works out well. We're talking about SNES. All right. Um, uh, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3... Played along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, from time to time, they do some live events. The 2019 lineup is complete, but you can see uh, on the service some of the previous uh, versions, which is wonderful. And uh, through Amazon Prime, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, you can watch uh, some of the live ones as well. Um, and to find out all the movies that are available, both uh, feature film and shorts, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifttracks with an X. See, the million dollar million eyes of... What was that called? 
I don't know, Million Eyes of Sumeru or something. That would have been a better one to have started with, but it's not what they showed me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, another week, another Facebook problem. So, um, I think we all at this point are aware of the details of the Cambridge Analytica issue. If you're not, the, uh, the basics are there was data that was available via API. If a user gave an app permission to access it, and in this case, the apps were storing the information off-site, uh, which is against Facebook's terms of service, but that won't stop anybody. And uh, with that, uh, Cambridge Analytica purchased a whole bunch of uh, information and did targeted added advertising based on it um, in questionable ways. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Instagram had a semi-public API that um, wasn't really an API so much as uh, a way for them to show data um, based on location images, uh, images based on location. Uh, a company was taking advantage of that to geotag users and, uh, again, do very targeted marketing, despite the fact that it was against Instagram's terms of service. This week, uh, we have discovered that there is a pair of databases out in the wild containing uh, user phone numbers and more. It's guaranteed to have phone numbers, but it could also have usernames, full names, genders, and countries. Um, and both of these databases were generated, you guessed it, by accessing... <laughs> Uh, API data and storing it off-site despite Facebook's terms of service. Here's the thing. You absolutely, and it doesn't matter if we're talking to government or a corporation, you cannot legislate morality. If something is possible to be done, it will be done um, if somebody wants to. In this case, uh, if you make data available, people will use it for their own reasons. Uh, whether or not you tell them don't store this off-site, they're going to. And there's nothing you can do about it um, except not make the data available. Uh, and so um, the fact that this came from an API that didn't really exist, just like the geolocation stuff, is even more frustrating. Uh, this was for a feature where basically you could put your contact list in and it would show you all your, all your friends. Uh, then that feature is gone. Um, so how did third parties get it though? Because wouldn't you wouldn't you have to go and do that on the site for a whole bunch of different phone numbers or a whole bunch of different friends? You absolutely would. And so um, I guess here's a hacking 101 class. Um, so the API asks for basically a contact list, say off of an iPhone. Well, the iPhone has, um, I think it's an i. CA file. I don't know. Um, it, on Windows, it's a V card, which is the best name ever. Um, anyway, so it's a it's a list of contacts. It gets uploaded to the server. The server returns uh, results with a score of how accurate the result uh, set might be, and then uh, usernames and uh, 
and phone numbers and information and stuff. So uh, you go create a fake contact list with as many as many contacts as uh, Facebook will allow you to upload in a single batch. You upload it. It returns values with names and phone numbers. You store them. You upload a second batch. But you just get random people? Yeah. If you're trying to do telemarketing, you don't care who the people are. Yeah. Ah, so, in other words, they if only Facebook had implemented the click, I am not a robot button, this all would have been solved. Or if there had been some sort of a request the server to give me a, a short-term access token... Yeah, if it was like a multi-part thing, there's definitely ways to have prevented, to have prevented it, not to, not to have eliminated the possibility, because multi-step things just take longer to do. Um, but any data that's available can be, can be farmed. That's really what it comes down to. Any data, yeah. and even if it's, even if it's scraped, like what uh, the Instagram company was doing, the data was just being scraped. If data is available, it's available. Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's fair. And to be honest, I don't. I feel like if a if a human is capable of doing something, and you have a computer do it a million times, then then I don't see what what the problem is because if the data was good enough for one person to get by doing one thing. You know, mm -hmm. if that person were able to uh, had unlimited time and patience to go and do it, but instead you develop a computer to do it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that's absolutely. what computers are for. Now, Facebook shouldn't have put that out there because right. even if it was one person, one stranger's phone number that you were getting, you they shouldn't have had that. Period. Sure. Absolutely. The, sh here's the thing. The result set shouldn't have had phone numbers in it. The, right. It doesn't. It didn't make the the add a friend capability better. And in fact, I used the that thing as a test a number of years ago. It didn't show the phone number. So why that was part of the data set? Anybody's guess. Probably. Yeah, that's that's a big screw up. Yeah. Probably sheer laziness uh, on the up. on the programmers case where they just did a select uh, select all from instead of a select certain columns from on the database table and and here we are we end up with with a full set which is idiotic and uh, now all that information is out in the wild and if you're curious about how big uh, the database was 419 million users uh, that is not phone numbers, that's users, because you might have more than one phone number attached to your account. Um, so 419 million users. Uh, Cambridge Analytica, which ended Facebook both CEO and COO. Is that what, uh, what Cheryl's title is? Um, it ended both of them in front of Congress, and they uh, had 85 million users. And this is 419. This is a 400% increase, uh, 5x. So pretty, pretty big deal, I guess. Um, I guess the 
<laughs> the end result of this is uh, if you're tired of those, we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty phone calls. They're not going anywhere. Because <laughs> a whole bunch of new telemarketers just got that list. So, <sighs> Well, the nice thing is that your phone sometimes now says scam likely. Um, uh-huh. Oh, true caller. Best thing ever. <laughs> the, the the biggest problem, though, now, I mean, you're talking about, like, whether phone calling is a thing anymore. Right. Right? Like, yeah. if I get a phone call, it's either a scam or there's a decent chance that it will be a really urgent mm-hmm. thing. So... The problem is I always if I don't recognize a number, I very often answer it because I'm like, okay, maybe this is an urgent thing from somebody that I don't, you know, could it be my bank calling that somebody has stolen, you know, my account? Could it be uh, you know, somebody could it be my someone at my son's school yeah. whose whose number I don't have. So like, you know, I don't I don't know. So unless I am convinced that it's that it's uh, a scam. Right. I, I am tempted to answer because I assume, okay, I don't just get calls all the time. Right. Uh, because of the nature of like, I don't know. I feel like with smartphones, with all the other communication mediums that we have, like text messages and instant message, people don't make phone calls as much as they used to. Very true. I agree. You know? Yeah. And you know, I, you know. I was getting, on, on one of my lines, I was getting a lot of calls from Albania. Uh, obviously, that one's a scam. Like, <laughs> uh, right. there's, there's no need to answer yeah. calls from coming uh, from Albania. I a legit call from him. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, if it's coming from, from one, especially from one of my local area codes, of course I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume something's wrong and I'm going to answer it. And they know that. So this yeah. sucks because yeah, uh, exactly. it probably means we're going to get a little more of it for a while, but it is what it is. Um, obviously at some point <laughs> Facebook's going to have to grow up because they're still acting like a, like kids at just not thinking about their behavior. And at some point they're going to have to grow up, I think. And, We'll, we'll see if, if one of these things is the thing that finally pushes it. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Um, you know you get free shipping sometimes two day, one day, same day. Um, but there's a whole lot more to your subscription that not everybody is using, and they should be. Amazon Prime Music gives you several million tracks available to stream for free. Uh, as part of your subscription, Amazon Prime Video gives you TV, movies, documentaries, both original and uh, licensed content, including HBO Back Catalog and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then there's my favorite, Twitch Prime, which we mentioned earlier. Um, you get a free subscription to a channel on Twitch so you can help uh, support the content creator of your choice. Uh, you can also get free games every month, which is a wonderful uh, part of your subscription. And if you're a Switch owner, you can get up to a full year 
of Switch Online for free. Um, to make things easy, we've got um, a page with easy links to all of the features that we love. Uh, and we've also got a 30-day free trial for you if, um, if you're not already a subscriber, so you can find out if you if you like it and if it's for you. And all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. Uh, over the last, let's say, year, it's been a little longer, uh, we've talked a number of times about uh, child safety and child privacy online um, and the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, better known as COPA, um, and the numerous companies that have been investigated for potentially violating COPA. Um, a little over a year ago, a group of 20, a collection of 20 privacy groups came together and filed a complaint with the FTC about YouTube. And uh, that started a wider investigation. Um, until now, probably the most notable um, uh, finding was against TikTok. That when it was musically uh, used to require that users uh, enter their full uh, real name to sign up. And they were fully aware that children were using the platform. And so that was a violation of federal law. Um, but this week, YouTube um, was uh, had a settlement with the FTC and the state of New York. And this one came in at $170 million uh, for violating COPA. Um, basically, the same general set of violations... Um, that uh, users were signing up and Google knew that there was no chance that uh, that children were not signing up, um, that the platform was easily showing content that was not child-friendly to children and collecting information about them, uh, both for advertising and video recommendation purposes. Google has agreed to us to the 170 million, 34 of which will go to the state of New York. The rest will go to the Federal Trade Commission, and they have agreed to not use any of the data that was collected uh, previously, and um, to make all content going forward opt in as uh, child friendly. So creators will have to specifically go in and mark something as uh, child-friendly or it will not show up in YouTube Kids, which has been a huge problem, um, you know, just because um, a cartoon character appears in a video does not mean that it's child-friendly as YouTube learned the hard way. So this is a, uh, a very interesting... Uh, development, uh, the fact that the FTC actually went after, you know, Google, which is one of the the big three, right? To to go after them in in this manner uh, definitely means that they're that they're serious about uh, uh, keeping an eye out for Copa. So I I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a serious concern. I mean, 
let's not beat around the bush. Kids of all ages watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't. I mean, yes, they could argue that you have to be 13 to use the service, but that see, Copa's created a very interesting world that we live in. Mm-hmm. I remember working on the internet before Copa and when Copa came into into being, which when was it like 99 or yes. 2000 or something? 99. It's a long time ago. I was working at about.com before Copa and then when Copa came and there was just a lot of fear about okay, we have you know, we have people who are registering for forums and chat rooms and things mm-hmm. like that. We you know, before we didn't have to care. Now now we have to specifically find out whether they're 13 or not or I guess I guess really they have no way of really finding it. But the problem is it's also self-reported, right? Right. I mean, there are so many and, – and, and as a parent, it becomes a weird situation too because there's so many things that I have to sign up for that I have to register for on behalf of my son. Yeah. And if I put that I was under 13 or something, it, it probably wouldn't let me. So like, you know, he'll get an app, for example, that is for like controlling a robot or mm-hmm. something yeah. or is for like – an AR game or something like that. And it asks you like, what year were you born? And if I put, you know, you know, 2012, when he was born, it's probably going to give me a hassle and either say, I can't do it or I have to send some permission letter or that's whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I sign up an account for him, I tell him I'm 20 years old or something. So, you know, because otherwise, yeah. so, it is a little bit of a weird situation that they've created because they say, I think it's more of a CYA move. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things with Copa because you can't really, you can't really tell how old somebody is when they're using the internet. Right. You know, someone could be a hundred years old or they could be five years old. So, you know, I think it's wise to assume that there could be that there could be children viewing something like YouTube. It's not behind a paywall right. or something like that. Um, it is a difficult. I'm glad that they're making people self-report that something is safe for kids. Although I'd like to see some more, uh, like teeth behind that than just self-reporting. Yeah, uh, well, because you know, if if you cut down the number of things that are that are being requested to be available on YouTube Kids, perhaps you know, perhaps now they have the ability to put to put power behind it to put you know uh, AI on the videos or something to to start looking for inappropriateness. We know that they're auto transcribing stuff. So that's definitely a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely like, I really have to actually take a good look at YouTube kids because lately my son has been not just lately, but for a while, but now he's getting to a point where, He's got devices where we're not always seeing exactly what he is is looking at. Sure. And he just loves to watch like Minecraft videos uh, of people playing Minecraft in various ways. And I just keep thinking like, yeah, and he's going to, you know, we try to say like, hey, we've got to sit here and watch this with you or whatever. But I'm always kind of worried that he's going to end up watching some kind of video that's going to end up not really being what. Uh-huh you know, what we thought it was and it's going to have adult content in it. Yeah. Like, like the, the, uh, the not quite Disney videos 
that were showing up in YouTube Kids yeah. a number of months ago that we were talking about, and you know, YouTube started putting putting some weight behind it then, and now, you know, the the forced opt in, you know, it, I think it's all going to make it at least a little better. Yeah, you know, self reporting is never great, but the fact that it is by default off uh, is probably a good starting point. Um, and then maybe they can start at the very least scanning the, the transcripts to start with, to, to look for, for certain words or phrases that, that would deem it. I, they're able to determine what is and is not monetized. So it, (laughs) it seems like, it seems like this would fall under the same category. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, Obviously, it, it is going into effect. Uh, it's software, so it has to be created. So it won't be tomorrow, but uh, they've got a pretty short time window in which they have to get this uh, on the road. So uh, we will see this out in the wild, I would imagine, in pretty short order. And that is our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who joined us live. Uh, we always appreciate our live viewers. Uh, if you want to join us live in the future, uh, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. Um, and if you have joined us live and would like to subscribe uh, to this and our other shows, or you just want to subscribe to our other shows, plughitslive.com slash subscribe will show all of them. F5Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, First Looks, uh, Plug His Live Unbox, which will not include uh, Avram's unboxing here, but uh, <laughs> the ones for the products that we have here in the studio and a whole bunch more are all available there. Um, a reminder that uh, we talked about at the top, I'll remind you again, uh, in just over a month, Roboticon 2019 will be uh, here in Tampa at the Yingling Center at University of South Florida. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, and then in what that's October so November will be um, uh, Anime EY in Fort Lauderdale with the, with the 3000 Brigade uh, which means uh, more 3000 Brigade presents and so yeah lots of new content coming so check it all out and with that on behalf of the staff that's not here I'm Scott I'm Avram and we'll see you guys back next time ciao